is that as I sit and enjoy and just get into the music, Kristen's going to accidentally turn my mic on while I'm singing. And you guys are going to be like, whoa. Um, I'm thrilled, just thrilled and honored to be with you this morning, so let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so honored to be here, so grateful to be here. Lord, you've already blessed us this morning with your word. And I just think about just our simple objective, Lord, of, of wanting to know you better. So my prayer, Lord, is that you would speak through me. Lord, I'm just thankful that um, you would choose to use someone so ordinary. Lord, I pray that you would shine brightly through me in spite of myself. Please, Lord, let the words that you've placed on my heart bless each of these precious women, Lord, um, that I'm so honored to just be in company with. Lord, you've you are so good, and we come dependently and expectantly to you this morning. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. The school system in a large city had a program to help children with their schoolwork during their stays in the city's hospital. One day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to help a particular child. She took the child's name and the room number and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in class right now, the regular teacher said, and I'd be grateful if you could help him understand them so he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon, and no one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've been sent here by your school, to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt she hadn't accomplished much. But the next day, the nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. No, no, said the nurse. You don't know what I mean. We've been so worried about that little boy. But ever since yesterday, his whole attitude changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's though he decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization that he expressed this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? Hope. Hope is a beautiful thing, but living hope is a game changer. Webster says that hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. A living hope is a hope that never dies. As we know, Christian believers have a living hope based on solid evidence of Jesus' resurrection. The Bible tells us that over 500 people witnessed the resurrected Christ, including the disciples. Peter being one of them said in Acts, He saw Jesus before the resurrection and said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to that fact. Seeing the resurrect Christ changed their lives. Shouldn't it change ours? How is this hope impacting our day-to-day living? And this morning, I'd like for for us to just honestly ask ourselves, what's the status of our own hope? 
The first question I want us to think about together is, are we laden with guilt? And notice I love acronyms, as you guys probably know by by now, unless you're new to LAMS. Our acronym is going to spell out living, because that's what I want to focus in on today, just living hope. And I like for things just to be simple. So in those moments where you need it, hopefully this acronym will help it come to mind quickly and just point you back to Christ. So we're going to start with laden with guilt. We know from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, not just mercy, but his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are given this new life in Christ due to his mercy. Guilt can be merciless and drive us far from God, or guilt can gently lead us to feel more convinced than ever of the Father's love. How we respond to guilt has significant consequence. It can even determine where we, where we spend eternity. When we do something that conflicts with our self of right and wrong, an alarming thing happens. We feel guilty. God's answer for sin and guilt accomplishes what no amount of human effort could manage. Hebrews 10.22 tells us, Thanks to the blood of cross, we can draw near. I love that. Draw near to God in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience as our bodies washed with pure water. This cleansing is not just a one-time event. I joked this morning in our leaders meeting that I confessed worry. And um, in 10 minutes, I'd probably need to confess it again. Every time the Holy Spirit prompts our spirit that we have sinned, by the beauty of his grace, we can return to his throne of grace to receive mercy. Isn't that a beautiful thing? At any time, we can return to that throne of grace to receive that beautiful mercy. If we fail to respond to guilt and repentance, we can expect God to continue to work in our lives until we come to him in humility. For God desires children who can serve him with a clear conscience. And that's a promise from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. At times, and I think we've all been there, the enemy uses guilt. The Bible describes Satan as the accuser of the brethren who appears before God day and night with accusations against believers. These accusations leave some feeling as if God has not forgiven or will not forgive us. This can cause us to feel shame, anger, bitterness, depression, which further drives us from God's presence. So we can see this as something that the enemy would want to take full advantage. This kind of guilt, a guilt that does not leave even after we repent and turn to Jesus for cleansing, is not from God. As we have seen, the blood of Christ fully satisfies God's righteousness. Thus, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise. If you have repented of your sins, but still feel the accuser lurking in the shadows like he likes to do, at any time we can confront the accusation with God's word. As Jesus said in John 8, if therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. If you've never taken the opportunity 
to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, there's no better time than the present. Let's walk in that freedom as we just sang, sang together. And this is one of the reasons I asked these sweet ladies to sing in Christ alone. As we just sang, no guilt in life, no fear in death. So thank you for singing it and leading it for us so beautifully. The second question I would like us to ask ourselves is, are we investing in truth? Being here today is a great start. Even if you were challenged or maybe even a bit frustrated by the study, you still invested. As I said from the beginning, we're going to get as much out of the study as we put into it, but any investment will never return void. So our I and our acronym is invested in truth. God's word is totally sufficient for all of our needs. We don't need anything else. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 tells us, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's a promise I'm hanging on too closely even now. We Christians can totally be secure in the Lord by studying the Bible because it truly is God's plan for our life. The word of God will always accomplish what it promises. If God told you something will happen and you wait, it will happen. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God sent his word to accomplish his perfect will in our lives. If God makes a promise to you, he will fulfill it in his own time. There are so many promises given to us in the Bible. These promises reassure and bring comfort to our lives in times of trial. Let's challenge ourselves to take time to study the word of God. Really study it. Not read commentaries, not just depend on other people's teaching, but really study like we walked through in our homework this past week. There's no doubt that the Lord will continue to show us wonderful things that will change our lives. And as someone said last week, one of the beautiful things of walking as a Christian is that in so many difficult times, we know just by looking back at how he's worked in our life that he's going to reveal his purpose for why he put us through what we put it through, put it, why we went through what we went through. And I think about... Um, Just we may not know all the answers, but think about um, a time when you experience some deep, deep suffering and the Lord has really used it in a beautiful way in your life. I can definitely say that I don't have all the answers for some of the things that I've gone through, but I do see beautiful purpose in so much of the most difficult times of my life. The third question I want us to think about this morning is, are we depending on God or ourselves? And not just in the big things, but also in the little things in our life. And for the purposes of the acronym, I had to say, are we valuing dependence on God or are we preferring self-reliance? I want to share with you a quote written by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson in 1841. And I think this very teaching is the same teaching that we hear in the world today. As you may know, Ralph 
uh, Waldo Emerson was an American philosopher, and he published an essay on self-reliance. And I quote, Trust thyself. Every heart vibrates to that iron string. It is easy to see that a greater self-reliance, a new respect for the divinity in man, must work a revolution in all the offices and relations of men, in their religion, in their education, in their pursuits, their modes of living, their association, in their property, in their speculative view. Rather than relying on anything external, even God, we we are to depend on ourselves and the divinity that resides in us. That made me, that just broke my heart to read. And I thought so many people highly respect respect Ralph Waldo Emerson and would have really treasured his leading and his advice. And sadly, this is still the teaching that the world gives us today. David even fell into the trap of self-reliance. In Psalm 30, he writes, When I was prosperous, I said, Nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. Can you relate? When things were going well for David, he began to believe in his ability to control his own life, to accomplish anything he sought. But in fact, it was the Lord who had made him secure as a mountain. So when God hid his face from David, his life fell apart. He realized that his prosperity was not a result of his strength, but actually a direct result of a gift from God. Have you ever experienced anything like this? So many times when things are going well in our lives, when our children seem to be good kids, when our grandchildren seem to be good kids, when our health is good, when our jobs, work lives, homes are good, we can be very tempted to think all of this is a direct result of our own accomplishment. But when things begin falling apart, washing away the fiction of their self-reliance, it tends to get us back on our knees, doesn't it? Sadly, sometimes it does take that, things to really fall apart before we get back on our knees. I've often thought of it like this. Sometimes we have to get so far down that the only place we can look is up, and it can be such a sweet place to be. Like David, we come to realize that we are meant to live in daily dependence upon God, honoring him in all that we do. As Joshua 1, 9, I just think this is a beautiful promise that we can hold on to. Have I not commanded you, not just a promise, but a command, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever we go. We're not designed to go it alone. I'm going to combine um, the I and the N from the acronym for um, just thinking through, are we... um, Focused on our time on earth or our eternal life? In the, is wording for the acronym, are we inheritance focused or are we near-term focused? What would happen if we shift our daily thought pattern from a near-term focus to an inheritance focus? What daily stresses bog us down that will have little to no consequence a year, sometimes even six months, certainly ten years from now? Think about the words of the Irish hymn that we just sang together. Be thou my my vision. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. 
Thou my inheritance now and always, being very careful not to sing this. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. That really sums up our inheritance in a beautiful, beautiful way. As you sang this or even reflect on it now, can you imagine the eternal riches of our inheritance in Christ? Even just to think about it for a moment. Is it true that on earth and in heaven, God has, it is true that on earth and heaven, God has, by his grace, provided for us one blessing after another. Yet without eyes to see Christ as our inheritance and our focus, we can miss his blessings. King David wrote in Psalm 16, Lord, and we reflected on this verse this week, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. In his sovereign, loving, and infinite wisdom, God apportions to each of us what is to be ours, as he chooses better for us than we would choose for ourselves. God selected an inheritance for Abraham that was beyond anything he knew to ask for, but he told him, I'm your shield, your very great reward. Seeing God himself as his true reward moved Abraham to forfeit the earthly, temporal riches of Haran in order to claim the eternal wealth of Canaan and heritage through which all the people of the earth would be blessed. Think about that. Think about what he had to walk away from to be obedient and receive the true riches. And I thought, what is he asking me to walk away from to receive his true riches? In the pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer, many of you may know Tozer, wrote about the significance of making God our treasure. The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him. Or if he is allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Let me read that again. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he is allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Think about some of the things in your life that are certainly a blessing, but are they tempered so that they would never be necessary to your happiness? Where is our true joy coming from? Or if he must see them go one after one, he will scarcely feel a sense of loss for having the source of all things he has in one, all satisfaction, all pleasure, all delight. Whatever he may lose, he has actually lost nothing, for he now has it all in one, and he has it purely, legitimately, and forever. Powerful. Although God deals with us each in different ways, his intentions towards us are the same as they were towards Abraham, to bless us and through us to bless others. The key to receiving his blessings is to see ourselves and our inheritance from heaven's perspective. The last question I want us to ask ourselves as we reflect on the status of our own personal hope is regarding the fruit our lives are producing. 
for the acronym purposes, the G is for are we are our lives generating fruit? And this is really where the rubber meets the road, isn't it, ladies? God compares his people with fruit trees that much that bear much fruit. That's from John 15. Let's think about Christ's parable of the fig tree and how it emphasizes that spiritually speaking, a fruitless fruit tree is worthless. A certain man said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it have to use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after, you, after that, you can cut it down. The parable tells us that God expects us to bear fruit, but it also shows us that God will not give up on us as long as there is still hope that we will bear fruit. And doesn't it sometimes, don't we hit seasons where we need a little digging around and some fertilizing? But I love that picture of him never giving up. Another parable I wanted to reference was the parable of the sower. And it teaches us four different ways that people respond when they hear the truth of God. We need to strive to be in the fourth group, the fertile soil. The seeds that fell in the good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient heart, and they persist until they bear fruit. Jesus told us clearly what we must do to bear fruit. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit, Of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch must stay firmly attached to the trunk to stay alive. As disciples of Christ, we must firmly, we must stay firmly connected to him, to remain spiritually productive. Think about what a branch draws from from its vine. Strength, nourishment, protection, energy, all of these things from the vine. However, if the vine's broken off, it can quickly die. It will quickly die and become unfruitful. When when we neglect our spiritual life, ignore the word of God, shortcut prayer, withhold areas of our lives, we can quickly become fruitless. However, when we abide in him, a beautiful fruit of the Spirit is produced. And I think about love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And can't we all use a little more of these fruits? The living Christ is the source of our new birth and our living hope. With a living hope in the living Christ, we can deal with our past failures and our present difficulties because of our future blessings. Uh, Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I am both convicted and challenged by this beautiful picture of living hope. 
Lord, I think about just this beautiful account that your word has given us of the beauty of living hope and why we would choose outside of that. It must be so frustrating for you. But please, Lord, forgive us. We're just so grateful this morning for your mercy. And we're so grateful that as Christians, we are far from perfect, Lord, but we have the opportunity to continue to come to you to repent and receive great forgiveness. And Lord, as I read through this and studied through this, I feel so burdened for any woman in this study that may not have received that beautiful living hope. And Lord, I just feel that you've called it and placed it upon my heart this morning just to give us an opportunity to just really reflect on this word. And Lord, do we believe what those over 500 people saw in you as our resurrected Savior? Lord, many of us know it to be truth. But Lord, it's our heart's desire for every single one in this place to know this truth. And so, Lord, I'm just asking you to give us a few minutes this morning to reflect upon that. Lord, for those that might just need a few minutes to just ask you, Lord, you are working in my heart, and I do believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead so that I could receive this living hope and this beautiful inheritance that you have planned. Lord, would you just prick hearts this morning? And if anyone in this room has not had the chance to pray it, Lord, I ask that you would just give her a few moments now to simply ask you, Lord, just you'll meet us right where we are and forgive us for our sins. Even if we don't know all the answers, Lord, and none of us do, nor do you intend for us to have all the answers. There is no time like the present to just say, Lord, you are the forgiver of my sins, and I want to proclaim you as my Lord and Savior even this very moment. And Lord, if we know you already as our Lord and Savior, would you use this time, Lord, just to convict us of where we might be falling short? Maybe it's something that we've had a blind spot to. Maybe it's something, Lord, that you're just beginning to reveal what's keeping us, Lord, from living in the freedom of living hope.
Lord, you know I've never done this in a public setting, but if there is someone in this room with every eye closed, I just have a deep desire to pray. So with every eye closed, Lord, if you prayed for the very first time to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and to simply forgive you for your sins, would you raise your hand, Lord, so that I can just pray for any woman? Lord, I thank you for working in hearts. Lord, I thank you for drawing us near. Lord, I thank you for helping us think. We're going to be challenged by this study to really think. And Lord, apart from you, these are just words on a page. But I know we can do it, Lord. And together, we can help each other, Lord, just... Keep our eyes focused on you. And as we close, Lord, I just want to close with Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trust, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. Lord, may we be like trees planted in you that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear. When heat comes, Lord, help us to trust in you when the challenges come. For our leaves will remain green. Lord, thank you for continuing, no matter what the circumstances are, to just keep this living hope alive. And is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. So, Lord, as we close... No matter what our circumstances, this is my prayer for us through this study this year. May we not cease to bear fruit, Lord. May we beautifully reflect love. May we, may we beautifully reflect joy. May we beautifully reflect peace. May we be patient, Lord, when it's not easy because of you. May we be quick to show kindness. May we be quick to reflect your goodness. Lord, help us stay faithful. Help us to be gentle. And help, Lord, as we pray for self-control, we pray that you would be in control in our lives. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, ladies. If um, I was supposed to remind you last week, We're a few minutes early, but if you could, um, please make sure that you have, if you have children in the children's program, we would all greatly appreciate it if you could pick them up at 1130, but you do have a few minutes to visit. So I'd rather be, I'd rather leave you wanting more than less. So enjoy your five minutes.